podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Welcome to this week's edition of the Spurs Show. Thank you so much for joining us. As you know, the last few weeks we've been doing, myself and Theo Delaney have been doing various best Spurs 11s with different permutations, English, foreign, and tonight we finally kind of come to the culmination of, of this debate with our panel tonight and looking at the best Spurs 11 you have ever seen. Joining us tonight, the sports, uh, well, mainly football journalists from Haters TV, Jerry Cox returns. How are you, Jerry? I'm very well, Mike. Good, Good to speak to you again. How, how's lockdown been for you? I'm loving it so far, to be honest. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a bit weird not having any, any work, um, mm. no sport to cover, but... Been getting a lot done in the garden, um, looking yeah. back at some old videos, watching mm-hmm. some old clips, reminding yeah. myself how good Deli Alley and Harry Kane and the rest are. So, um, no, enjoying it, to be honest. Oh, that's good. And also joining us, uh, Mr. Stato, really, wonderful expert on football stats. I'm sure we'll throw a few of us uh, later on tonight. Johnny Blaine returns. How are you, Johnny? Yeah, good evening. Uh, yeah, good. Thanks, Mike. Hope everyone is safe and well. And how are you? you do with no football um it's been a struggle i mean football is my job and but i've been lucky that the premier league is still a bit going on for the foreign broadcaster so there is a little bit of work but not much and i'm i say desperate to get it back but only when it's the right time yeah no i, I think we all agree with you there and finally uh, the wonderful author been on the show before love so delighted he's back dan friedman returns how are you dan Good, thanks, Mike. Yeah, been listening to all the shows. You've been keeping me sane. Good, thank you very much. Lovely. Presumably, your your line of work sort of continues, really, doesn't it? Uh, I guess so. Yeah, I guess you're expected to now get creative. Um, (laughs) Instead, I'm just doing all the other stuff just to avoid um, avoid doing any any actual writing. So uh, (laughs) that went quite well. Yeah. Yeah. Fair enough. Well, look. Before we uh, chat about our best Spurs. As 11, let's sort of obviously talk briefly about the current situation. As we're recording this show tonight, it's literally just been announced that another major European league, i.e. the French league, has confirmed they are suspending football until September. Uh, this is uh, quite, I mean, obviously the last major league to do this was the Dutch league. Um, Jerry, we'll start with you. I mean, the very fact that the UK is at least two weeks behind, at least two weeks behind countries like France, who have just made this decision. And I know, money aside, why don't the Premier League just announce, you know what, we're just going to suspend everything now until September. Why do you think they're desperately trying to hang on? What, to finish the season, you mean? Yeah. I think I think you've got to finish the season. You know, I think I think... You know, I know it sounds trite, but this is, and, and it is obviously unprecedented and it's a global pandemic. But in years to come, you know, you'll you'll have a sort of gap in the record books, which is, well, why didn't that finish? You know, with the best will in the world, it's not a world war. It's not something where it's physically impossible to play. It, it can be done. It'll take, you know, it's tricky and it's difficult. 
but it can be done. And, and you know, they put a plan in place. Um, it won't be ideal, but it will sort out the rest of the season. And it won't leave this sort of asterisk hanging over it of what might have happened, who might have gone up, who might have gone down, who might have qualified for the Champions League. Did Liverpool actually win the league? Whatever, you know. I think I think you've got to finish the season one way or another. But if that happens, though, you're you're effectively going to be playing behind closed doors. Yeah, there's no way thousands of fans will be let back. No, no, no. So the experience, the experience watching on TV is going to be weird. Um, you could also argue that, especially without a crowd there, mid-table teams where they really, really fight hard against the lower teams. One could argue by continuing with this season, it's it's going to be a little bit bent. I don't think I don't think it'd be that. I wouldn't worry about it being sort of distorted because of that. I mean, it will be different. Obviously, there's there's rule changes and all sorts they're they're talking about. You know, just to just to make it safer and and possibly to have more substitutes to give the players a bit more of a breathing space and all that. Um, but there will be football. You know, I mean, I, listen. During lockdown, I've been watching a lot of old stuff, <laughs> and there was a match. It was Bobby Charlton's last game, the great Bobby Charlton, his last ever game for Manchester United. Mm-hmm. It was played at Stamford Bridge, end of season, both teams doing nothing special. I think it was 11,000 there. They had the, the, the Big East stand was, was just started, so that was completely empty. It had proper end of season sort of torpor about it. And it, but it was Bobby Charlton's last game. You know, it was a historic game. It had to be played. So it's not as if every match has got something on it and, it, and it's played full pelt. You know, we've all been there at the end of the season, the sun's out and it's just, you know, just going through the motions. Mm. Um, and I think this, this period without crowds, it's not just now. I think, I think this could be into next year, you know. You want to see, see what you're saying then? You want to see Jan Vertonghen's last game in a Spurs shirt, do you? Well, it could be a few. It could be a few. <laughs> Uh, Dan, what's your take on it? I mean, do you, do you really want to see more football in the next couple of months? I know, I know you're you're vehemently uh, you're, you're, you've got your position, Mike. As I said, I've been I have. Um, obviously, from a Spurs point of view, if it if it meant Spurs going into the Champions League next season, that'd be great. I don't know. I just feel morally, you have to, you have to finish it. I feel like if there's a season to be played around with. It's next season. But I just feel like when football comes back, you've just got to finish it off um, just for the posterity of the league. And then maybe next season you say, look, you know, we, we shorten that one and we say you only play each team once and it's either home or away and it's uh, 19 games. Um, but that would be my view is just for on, on a moral standpoint, um, you, you finish this one and then if you make changes, you make changes the next season and everyone knows going into that season what those structural changes are. Okay, fair enough. Johnny, what's your take? Do you, yeah. I mean, I know professionally you want the season to finish, but can you really, really see with people contracting and dying of COVID-19, can you really sort of, oh, hey, football's back. Oh, look, it's, you know, can you really see it happening? I'm so torn because obviously yes, I want it back. Uh, I mean, they say a lot of grief for talking about coming back, but it's a business like Greg's and B&Q and whatever else wants to open. So I can see why they want to come back. Financially, it's so important for them to come back. But no, at the moment, I don't feel comfortable thinking about football when there's a global pandemic going on. But also for me, has anybody asked the players if they want to come back? Mm. Do they want to be standing up against centre-half 
who may or may not have this horrendous disease, this horrendous virus. <clears throat> so I'm uneasy about it coming back right now. I agree with the scientists and the government to come back. Great, but I, from what I heard a little bit before I cut off, for me the season has to be finished. You can't. I know Liverpool are going to win the title. But they haven't won the title. Stephen Mark was going to win the Grand National in 1963, but he didn't. Um, mm. I don't think he's going to award them uh, a title after 29 games. Yeah, fair enough. Um, Jerry, I mean, obviously today Tottenham went back training. They made a big thing of how they were social distancing. I believe none of the buildings were used. The players couldn't shower at the training ground. They came in the car with their own kits, a bit like Sunday football. Hackney Marshes straight onto the football pitch ran around only one player per pitch back in the car pissing down with rain wet kit back home I mean it's just I mean when they do get to the stage when they go football's kind of come back and the virus is sort of swelling around as Johnny mentioned there how can they train properly how can a match happen and someone then contract the virus again thus suspending the season again it just I I'm sorry, I just think they should be doing what the French do and just said, look, there's problems, draw a line now, back in September, move on. There's there's, there's too much riding on this. Uh, I don't know, because, I mean, you know, they're obviously going to test the players. Um, so technically they shouldn't be going out there if they're, if they're, if they're carrying the virus, they wouldn't be on the pitch. If, if testing's in place and efficient by then. So that's one thing. Um, and that would apply in training as well. Um, Germany's going back, you know, they're back in training and they're looking at a resumption. So, and Germany's, you know, ahead of the curve in terms of the rest of, certainly seems to be the rest of Europe in, in terms of how they've dealt with it, with the, the, the pandemic so far. Um, so maybe we, you know, we, we'll get some comfort from that. And I think the other, the other thing for me is the longer this goes on, the more I'm, I, I need something to distract me from an endless round of Phil, Gary Neville, Jamie Carragher, Ian Wright yeah. spouting off day after day after day about who should do this, why should Harry Kane go to Man United, who's mm. better, you know, blah de blah. It's just a constant round of recycling the same old <laughs> tripe, you know. So we need some new stuff in, in in terms of football. I know it's you know it's obviously in in the scheme of things it's it's not that important, but for a lot of it, I mean, it's my life 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 yes, as well. Course. Um, yeah. And for a lot of us, you know, with our, it's one of our great interests. It's, it's something that, that gets us up in the morning and, and gets us going. And whether mm. we're, we're we're going to watch it or whether we're seeing it on, on television or just talking about it, it's happening again, you know. And I think I think there is an element that we do need something going on rather than uh, you know the main highlight of the day watching Boris Johnson or mm. listening to a debate between Robbie Savage and Ian Wright or something, you know. Fair enough. Fair enough. Well, look. Let's um, let's try and look at happier times now and and turn our attention to um, our selection for the best Spurs eleven that we have witnessed, and we're going to do that after this very short break. If you want an e-bike that doesn't look like it's made for the shopping precinct. Something that's less Mr. Bean and more Steve McQueen. Check out the range of bikes from London-based Cooler King. 
from dope 250 watt city bikes to Harley Bobber inspired 750 watt beasts that can tear your face off while leaving your smile intact. Cooler Kings are made in limited numbers, yet highly affordable. Check them out now on the web at cooler.bike or find them on Instagram with hashtag CoolerKingBike. Cooler.bike. E-bikes that are cool AF. And there we are. We're back after the break. Right, we've been doing this for a few weeks now. And those of you at home, I know some of you had sent some in. And I'll try and name check as many of you as possible. Uh, um, let's start with you, Johnny. Um, who have you put in goal as the greatest keeper that you have seen at Tottenham? Right, so I started going in 87, and I can't really remember that far back. My first game was uh, Hodder's goal against Oxford, which has been doing the rounds on social media this week. So I realised when doing this, we've had some crap goalkeepers. Um, so I had to go with Lloris. I know that he divides opinion with a World Cup winner. When we got him, I remember watching him for Ireland against France in that World Cup or Euro playoff, and he made some brilliant saves. I was like, wow, I wish we could get a goalkeeper like mm. Hugo Lloris. So I, was, I was ecstatic when we got him. And again, I know he divides opinion. My dad can't stand him. Um, but, but he's the best goalkeeper I've seen in Tottenham shirt. Fair Look, if, uh, this is it. Th- those of you of your certain age, that you know, you, as you rightly said, you don't have much choice. Dan, what, who have you put down then? I, um, I, I'm not too sure your age, but uh, yeah, who have I, you put for? I, I can start remembering games from 85, 86. Um, I've gone for Clem, mm-hmm. uh, mainly on the basis of character, to be honest. Um, and Larice, some of those, some of those. Um, Champions League running out of the goal, losing, you know, getting us out of the game within within the first ten minutes. I just um, I can't get them out of my head. So I've gone for Clem. Just I know everyone makes mistakes, and you mentioned he did um, quite early in his Spurs career. But mm. just safe pair of hands who knows how to win. No, fair enough. A lot of you out there um, have put Clements Douglas Bagley, Howie Doug. He's gone with Clements. Steve Timpson out there. He's uh, gone with Clements. Quite a few of you have. I suppose it's probably an. A- each thing, Jerry. I know you're going to surely come out with another another name that I plump for. Um, who have you gone with? Well, as you know, Mike, I'm I'm a little bit older than the other the other guys, um, but I'm not quite old enough to remember Ted Ditchburn or Bill Brown. <laughs> Give us a bit of credit. Um, I, I I mean, in my all English Spurs eleven, I I went for Clem because he was a great keeper, yeah. but yeah. he wasn't there for you know that long in the scheme of things. But my absolute absolute favourite, and and he's I, I know I know him well now, and he's he's always been a fantastic guy as well. He's absolute legend is Pat Jennings. Um, you know when I, that first team I saw, sort of nine sixty eight, Pat was in goal and right through, and obviously even even survived that trip down the South Seven Sisters Road. You know, um, absolute gent, still still a class act, um, lovely guy to boot, and. I was just going through a book uh, that came through the post today, an old um, 50 years of football of the year that was from 20 years ago. And oh, yeah. all of those winners have to pick their best 11. And Jennings just comes out on top. I think it's him and Gordon Banks, pretty neck and neck, you know. Yeah. So, I mean, all the great players loved loved Pat. And uh, with for me, absolute um, hero of mine. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I agree with you, and uh, I can reveal um, next. Next week, we're doing a very special show with Pat. We interviewed him wow. live in 2000 and, oh God, 13, 14, along with Alan Gilzean. Yeah. And we just didn't have enough time interviewing the both of them at the same time. So for a while, I've been trying to get Pat. So next week, we're going to do a very special show with him. Um, we'll be concentrating on three things, to, or four things with him. The FA Cup 1967. Uh, 1973 when he won the Football Writers Player of the Year Award and 1976 when he won the PFA Player of the Year Award which is incredible because that season we won nothing and finished ninth and also we're going to talk about Northern Ireland 82 and 86 when he was absolutely fantastic not just in the two World Cup tournaments themselves but the qualifying rounds as well to get there and as you mentioned they're, they're a long time 13 years as a player um a coach there from 1993, nearly 600 appearances for Spurs, over a thousand games in total. Uh, incredible. And, um, you know, I, I was a, a school goalkeeper and Sunday football, and that was because of watching Pat Jennings. And I think what set for me, what set Jennings apart, and you look at keepers now, um, Luis being one and Pickford, he had this incredible calmness about him. I never saw Jennings lose his head come out and make a rash challenge like Luis and take a player out for a penalty. I never saw that. Yes, there was the odd mistake, but, you know, I I can count mistakes he made on, on one hand. One was actually uh, for Arsenal, obviously, which went in our favour in the FA Cup 1982 when Crook's shot went through his legs. There wasn't many mistakes for Tottenham. Maybe the Wolves uh, through his legs in the 72 UEFA Cup final at Molyneux, one could argue. But he was just incredible. And obviously, the big hands, the wonderful one-handed catches. Um, I think most people out there of a certain age would probably put Pat Jennings, not just as the greatest goalkeeper that Tottenham had, you know, along with Banks and maybe Yashin, you know, up there with one of the greatest goalies of all time in the world. Absolutely. I was going yeah, yeah. to say, Mike, you're saved in my phone as the cat, not because you like milk, <laughs> but because because you were a great Sunday league goalkeeper. And I do remember you doing away at and then saving it once. So you know, you, your best place to talk about it. <laughs> yes, they're great days. They were. Yeah, there just, we are. Just a quick Pat Jennings story. If you get yes. a chance to ask him next week, you talk yeah. about his calmness. Um, he told me a story because I play golf with him every now and again at the okay. um, Rights Golf Day. He always joins us. He loves his golf. Mm. And he told us his story. <laughs> Hard to believe. He was playing for the other lot at Forest mm. one day. And he felt this sort of, as he went to take a goal kick, or he got the ball out of the uh, from behind the goal, he felt this um, sharp pain in his arm and saw that he'd been hit with a dart thrown from the oh, crowd. God. Didn't do anything about it. But at half time, told... Uh, the manager, Don Howe, I think it was, who then went and told Brian Clough and they sort of made a bit of a, you know, they, they had a bit of a discussion about it. After the game, um, Clough came in to see him and said something like, uh, he said something like, if, if um, he said, my lot have thrown everything they could at you. So if the fans threw a dart at you, I can only apologise or something like that, young mm. man. And he said yeah. he then sent him a letter of apology the following week and, and Pat says he's still got this letter from the great man framed in his, in his living room sort of thing, you know, wow. but 
that's the calmness. He got a, can you imagine now if a, if a player was hit by a dart thrown from the crowd, oh. the, the fuss that would ensue, you know, the ground would be closed and the match would be called off and mm. Pat just carried on, you know. <laughs> Absolutely. Let's go uh, with fullbacks. Johnny, who have you gone for left back, right back? Um, I was going to go with Stephen Carr because he was great and I loved him and that goal against Man United. But I went Walker and Rose because I thought because mm-hmm. they came as a pair. The way they that last season on White Hart Lane. So whereas Walker might not be the best right back and Rose may not be the best left back, although I struggle to think of good left backs that we had, it's because of the partnership that they had. Yeah, fair enough. I think they're they're, they're good choices. Dan, who have you gone for your left back and right back of the greatest Tottenham team? Yeah, also Danny Rose, um, at his best, so tigerish and attacking and, um, yeah, up there with the best in Europe for those two, two, three seasons. I've gone Stephen Carr. Love Danny Thomas. Um, I was quite young. Same with Steve Perryman. But I really thought Steve Carr, for those couple of years, was our, not only an excellent defender, I thought he was our best attacking threat. Mm. Um, and I think he's very underrated in the overall memories people have of football so and Carl Walker excellent uh, but but capable of those brain lapses and um so yeah obviously slightly sour taste with Steve Carr but the, those memories of him as Johnny said exemplified by that goal against United he was he was right up there mm. no fair enough I think the reason he's kind of forgotten is he kind of left under a cloud yeah. slightly I think he was another player that wanted to go mm. didn't say nice things about us when he left which is a shame because again he really was a a, a fan's favourite uh, Jerry I'm assuming like like me you've gone for some slightly older players for left back right back he, um, possibly I mean I'm, I'm torn there's, su- there's such competition there when you think Paolo Tramazzani <laughs> Timothy Atuba uh, <laughs> We had the only Brazilian who couldn't play, didn't we? Gilberto. Gilberto. Um, No, I mean, I'm torn on left back between the great Cyril Knowles, who I grew up watching and and had, you know, the song and everything. And he was a a wonderful player. And he was was one of the first sort of really uh, overlapping left backs, you know. And I think he was only kept out of the England team by Terry Cooper, who was who was brilliant as well. But Cyril was a fantastic player and a great took great free kicks as well, a bit yes. like a bail whipped him in over the wall. Yes. Um, but I'd go Danny Rose. I think uh, oh, really? if only you know fell in love with him from his first touch in in a Tottenham shirt. That goal against the other yes. lot was just yeah. could never fault him for that. And and yes, for for three or four years he was the best in the business, wasn't he? Him and him mm. and. Walker. A full pearl. So I'd go Danny left back, and I'd go Steve Perriman at right back, yeah. really, because you've got to have Stevie P in there somewhere. And although he obviously started his career in midfield, it's a fairly congested place you know, trying to get someone into that team in yeah. midfield. And um, you know, Stevie P did some fantastic job as a left back in that great team of the early eighties. You know, where he was he was behind Glenn Hoddle, and they had a telepathic understanding. You know, and he was captain of the team. He drove them on. He was a fantastic presence. So I, I'd have him as, as my right. Yeah, I, I agree. I put Perman in because I think you've got to get him in there. A lot of people out there have put Perman in. Uh, left back for me, for me, it was a toss up between Cyril Knowles and Chris Hewton. Oh. No one's mentioned yet because Hewton, obviously Republic of Ireland international, there a long time, good with both. With feet, uh, popped up in the box and scored a few goals as well. And it was obviously 
part of that wonderful 81 um, winning side. Um, but, but I think out of the two, oh, God, it's a tough one. You know what? I'm going to go Chris Hewton because I, think, it had more, I yeah. think he had a bit more pace than Knowles. Knowles yeah. was yeah, more, yeah, yeah. La- more languid in style. And I think yeah. with Perman on one side, you need Hewton uh, on the other side with a, with a bit of pace. Uh, Johnny, who have you gone now? This is going to be an interesting one, actually. Uh, who have you gone for your two centre-backs? Um, Ledley, um, uh-huh. who I wonder whether, you know, had his, had his knees been all right, would we have seen him in a Spurs shirt for as long as we did? Uh, but he was just wonderful. in Pierce, that tackle against Chelsea. Mm. Um, and <laughs> in true Spurs tradition, they scored straight from that corner. Um, <laughs> he was a wonderful, wonderful defender. And even when he played in midfield, he was graceful. Yes. And that, that shows a classy defender if you can step up and play in midfield. Um, And I went with Mabbott. Um, Again, just a real Spurs man, which is also great because they're both Spurs fans. Um, You warm to them a lot more, but Mabbott was so brave. Again, could play in midfield. And I thought he'd won us the cup final. But there's just so many memories, even though I was so young at the time, of Mabbott sticking his head in where it hurt and just being a great, great captain and centre-half. Yeah, fair enough. Dan, I'm assuming you've gone with the same pairing? Uh, no, I, I've, gone, oh. I've gone with Ledley. Um, obviously, a, 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 just a, a blessing to watch him play. Um, Adeverod and Ruddock, very close. Respect for Adeverod, but no, Richard Goff. Um, oh, okay. Yeah, just that, that feeling of having, you know, so athletic, so physical, so composed. And again, I just like these, I like these characters and I just think you have him, him and Ledley there. What a partnership. Mm, no, fair enough. Funny you mentioned him because we interviewed Gary Mabbott on the Spurs a few weeks ago and he said him, him and Goffey is still very close. And we know why he, he left Spurs. He, he, he kind of wanted to go to Rangers and I think it was Aberdeen wouldn't send him directly to Rangers. But Mabbott kind of all, but to me, exclusively said that Goffey now regrets his decision and looking back, wished he stayed at Spurs. And Mabbott really thought that team could ch- uh, challenge for the title if he was still there uh, in that particular team. Um, Jerry, who have you gone for? Well, um, again, such fierce competition for places, you know, when you've got the likes of Chris Perry and uh, <laughs> who was the guy we signed from. Um, Oh, God almighty. The one we got from Blackburn Rovers. when uh, Ryan, Ryan Nelson. Ryan Nelson. I mean, yeah. really, you know, what was yeah. going on? <laughs> what was going on that yeah. Kevin Scott. Kevin Scott. Scott. Yeah. Mm. I mean, so, um, I think you've got to do the reverse of this one day, Mike. Just pick your... But, well, it'll be a very oh. long show. Yeah. <laughs> long show. Anyway, yeah. anyway, Ledley King, of course, Ledley was mm. a world-class player. Just a, a pleasure to watch. And knowing his, you know, what his limitations were, how good he still was when he was barely able to train. And, you know, he joined in on a Friday afternoon, really, didn't he, after doing a few laps of Daniel Levy's swimming pool. Um, pure class, great, great player. And then I'm, I'm, I'm torn. I'm thinking, you know, Mabsy, fantastic, fantastic servant and, and a great player, as, as, as Dan said, putting his head in and so on. Um, and then you've got, more recently, Toby and, and Jan, who have mm. been the best pairing, it's hard to pull pull one of them out of that. But I'm mm. I'm, I'm going to go back a bit as well and just think about I'm I'm building a bit of a fierce backline here. But Graham Roberts was a phenomenal mm-hmm. 
captain. Oh, he was a captain when he had to be at the UEFA yeah. final and scored the goal that got Spurs back in that game. Um, fearless warrior. I mean, tough as tough as anything. And he was a he was a he was a you know a ball playing centre back. He could play in midfield. He scored goals. Um, didn't really stay that long and wasn't massively popular with a lot of um, with some of the other players from what I gathered afterwards. But you know, he's always been a bit combative. But mm-hmm. um, whether he, a difficult one, I'm not sure whether he goes into my all time eleven. But just to be a bit different, um, he might just edge out Mabs. Fair enough. That's interesting. I mean, I, I like a lot of you at home have gone on for Mapperton King. Uh, I, I, I do remember Mike England, um, but that was near the end of his career. Um, out of, I mean, it's very different when you look at the last few years. Football's got much faster, much pacier. But I think Mapperton King would easily fit in that side. And then we go to probably the most difficult area of the pitch, midfield. And um, maybe some of you have gone five in midfield here. We'll see. Um, Johnny, who, who, who have you gone for in your, 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 in your midfield for the greatest Tottenham team? Um, so I've got four in midfield. Uh, I've got two wide men. Uh, Ginola, who, mm-hmm. you know, for a man that can win the PFA Player of the Year in the year that Man United won the treble, was yeah. incredible. That season, just his... Tottenham career, the Barnsley goal, some of those goals were just mm. incredible. He goes to to watch those players. Um, mm. Obviously, Bale doesn't really need discussing. Uh, the way his career just went up and up and up. Centre midfield was really difficult for me. Um, I went with Gazza because the memories of that 99 run were all about him. Mm. Yeah. Um, and, and look, there's so many people I could have put in. Modric, Van der Vaar. But I went... I went with Moussa Dembele. I just, really? Yeah, because I've realised now how safe I felt with Moussa Dembele. Mm-hmm. Like, we realised the hole that we've got. It's probably... Uh, Van der Vaart was incredible. Modric was incredible. But I feel this team blends better with Dembele just sitting in front of my back four going, you boys go and play. I'll just sit here and deal with it. Um, he was such a wonderful player. And at work, when we have ex-players come in or even current players, one of the players they always talk about, the hardest player to play against, the best player on the ball in training was, was Moussa Dembele. And mm. I, admit, since he left in January last year, my God, have we missed him. No, I, I, a few people out there, Graham Butler, he put in uh, Modric into his, his midfield. Dan, who, who have you plumped for? Uh, not Modric, sorry. Um, Dembele, sorry, but Dembele. So you can, I can I who have you gone for? I've either done four three three or four five one. Do you want three or five in midfield? Let's go go four five one. Okay, so um, obviously in 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 the middle of the five, you got you got to have Hoddle and Gaza, mm. and then yeah, like Johnny, I I've gone for Dembele just to add a bit of uh, physicality as well, and and as Johnny says, irreplaceable. He's proven. I think that'd be an, an amazing trio. And then um, Bale and Waddle on the, on the flanks. I took my mum to see a game towards the end of Bale, and it was a bit like I felt it was a bit like Federer at his best. It, it was almost bigger than the sport he was playing. It was seeing one one of the greatest athletes in the world at that time doing his stuff. And as you know, Waddle that season before he left, I remember goals against Villa at home. Uh, a couple he scored similar, you know, I think I think comparable to how good Bale was. And you can't mm-hmm. pay him any greater compliment than that. And then with Bale and Waddle, you've got and Hoddle, you've got. Mm-hmm. 
three guys there over six foot as well. Mm. Um, so in the Ronaldo style, they're, they're unstoppable. Wow. Amazing. Uh, fair enough. And Jerry, uh, who have you gone for? Well, again, I go back a little bit longer than, than the other mm. guys. So Glenn Hoddle's obviously straight in there for me. Yeah. Um, Gareth Bale again, you, you can't argue, you know, he's absolute world-class player. And as, as Dan just said, is he carried them a season, really, didn't he? Where he every every time he played, that he just you think, God, he's done it again. He's absolutely yes. done it again. You know, um, phenomenal player. So wonderful to watch him. And then um, Gaza, of course. You know, I mean, uh, agonising the way he had to leave so soon, but mm. he was phenomenal. You know, absolutely phenomenal. And again, this is one of the things. You know, you watch old clips and you forget just how good he was. Oh, Not only for no. Spurs, but England as well. Mm. So you've got those four, those three. And then I'm torn between um, Chris Waddle because, uh, you know, I saw saw him from the start and, and even his Newcastle days. But then that last season at Spurs and, and the one in the David Pleats sort of five-man midfield, he was, he was sensational that season as well. But I do think um, you've got to have a little bit, you know, bring it forward to the forward, to, to the modern era. And also as a, as a goal scoring and I think a world-class player, I think Deli Alley's got to be in there. Really? I'm, I'm, yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, I just, <laughs> just turned 24. He's, he, he is a phenomenal, he's a world-class talent. And I just, you know, I've just been looking back at some things in the last month or so. And, you know, you sort of forget. I mean, last season was bit of a shadow over him absolutely phenomenal player and if if they could just get him playing at the level consistently that he was before and obviously when when he's in tandem with harry kane he's he's a he's a phenomenal talent so i i'd I'd actually put him ahead of chris waddle not quite sure how that that would balance out but i'd make it i'll make it work work one way or another very interesting i mean i've 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 had to go with five because i just found it so difficult and um, and one player, two players that missed out. That was mentioned, yeah. Osvaldo Ardiles and Darren Anderton uh, yeah. both missed out. And I, like a lot of you, I've had to put in Hoddle, greatest player I've ever seen in the Spurs shirt, without a doubt. Hoddle, Gascoigne, Janola, and Bale. And then for my fifth man, I had to have in there because again, I think we for, we forget how great he was. Luka Modric for me has to be in that midfield. Um, he was like the metronome in that midfield. Absolutely yeah. brilliant. Still yeah. playing brilliantly to this day. Uh, I, I, I can't see how you can't have Modric in, in that midfield, gentlemen. You think he was better than Dembele at his best? <sighs> I think so. I mean, with, with Musa was brilliant. He had a few injury problems from memory, Dembele. He was, obviously, he was great holding on to the ball. I think... I think Dembele started slightly slowly with Tottenham. Mm. For memory, Modric just hit the ground running as soon as he arrived in that sort of... We signed him at the end of the season. For once, we actually got in early with a signing, I remember. And he was just tremendous. I I love watching him. He was great. It was great. It did take him a while, though. If you remember, it it took Harry to come in and then initially played him on the left. Yeah. And then finally brought him in with Huddleston and then it, and then it kicked on. Um, but yeah, obviously one wonderful player. And um, when you would just sort of almost jink underneath someone's body to get that yard yes. ahead, like, yeah. like a rugby sprint. Yeah, absolutely. Dan, who, while you're on the line there, who have you gone then? You, you've gone for a, 
I think you went for five in midfield as well, didn't you? So yeah. who have you got up front? So I feel obviously very harsh not to have Harry in there, which I've not got. Um, I feel like I want him to re- regain the half yard of pace, which I feel the injuries have robbed him of. Teddy, I love. He hasn't made it in. And obviously, Alan and Lineker. But I've gone for Klinsman. Just again, I've, I've talked quite a lot about character. And I just think if you looked around this team and you had him up front, um, you're just you're just certain you're going to win. Mm. No, I totally agree with you there. Johnny, who have you gone for up front? Um, I agree totally with Dan about the K, and I wish he would sort of get back to where we, where he was, but I've gone with him. Uh, some of those performances, that Dortmund game at Wembley where he just bounced people off him, and yeah. unbelievable. And I had, I'd left out Teddy, even though he's my, probably my hero, but I'd left him out for Klinsman. Just the memory of when he signed, I remember it's one of those where were you moments. I just remember where I was. Um, I think that would be an incredible partnership. Right. And finally, Jerry, be interested to get who you who you've gone for. Um, well, much as uh, I, I, when Klinsman signed for Spurs, I was there. I was I was at at Tottenham, and, and we were expecting Illy Dumitrescu. It'd been announced and and had been uh, signed. Who'd had a good World Cup, and I got there and and. Uh, Simon Greenberg, who went on to be Chelsea's communications officer, but was, at the time was working for the Standard. His, his brother's me, on the show next week. Oh, Danny. there you go, yeah. Big Spurs yeah. fan, of course, Simon. Yeah, and yeah, he turned yeah. to me and he said, they've only got Klinsman as well. I said, what? <laughs> and we walked in and Sugar came in with Alan, and um, with, with Jürgen Klinsman. It was you quite couldn't have that. You couldn't get that anymore, could you? Because no. the talk no. was before they happened. Absolutely astonishing. So, so but, and, and he was... Fantastic first the first one year he was there. That second spell obviously not quite as I mean it was a terrible team he, he came into. It, was, it was, saved us, helped us get out of relegation. Um but he doesn't make my, my front two um for the reason that I am old enough to have seen Jimmy Greaves play. Yeah. Uh, and not just the best goal scorer in Tottenham's history. I'd I'd say, you know, hands down the best goal scorer in, in the history of English football. I mean just astonishing his record. Watching that film, you know, I, I went to the premiere the other, uh, a mm. couple of months ago with with Norman Giller, who's an old pal, and Greavesy's family were all there, and, and Glenn Hoddle and Stevie P talking about um, Jimmy and Cliff Jones as well. It was just wonderful, and and you know, again, just an astonishing player, extraordinary player. I didn't see him score. I mean, the tragedy. <laughs> I only went to a handful of games when he played for Spurs, and. Mm. We were getting thumped 4-0 by Man City, one of my first trips to White Hart Lane, who were a bogey team then, and I think it was the year they won. And there was about five minutes to go, and my dad said, oh, come on, let's, should, we, should, we, should we go early, beat the crowds? And as we were walking out, there was a sort of little roar, and then about 30 seconds later, a, a bigger, slightly bigger roar. And we couldn't... It was only when we got back to my nan's house, we, we switched on Grandstand and found out that they got a penalty. That was the mini roar, and Greavesy had scored it, which was the slightly bigger roar. It was, a, you know, it was still a three or four one defeat. But and I missed Greavesy scoring. So since then, I've never left a game early because you know he was my all-time hero. Um, yeah. And then alongside him, in, in classic sort of big man, little man fashion, I think you've got to have Harry Kane in there. I mean, well, you know, he might have slowed up a bit, but blimey, he's he's a phenomenal. He's a force of nature. Um, a fantastic goal scorer, a fantastic footballer. You know, I still think he's the most 
creative footballer England have in the England team. Um, he's a superb all-round footballer, great character, great leader, tremendous goal scorer in you know left foot, right foot header. Um, and I still think there's there's loads more to come from Harry Kane. You know the injuries are obviously a worry, but. You know, um, given that he's had injury hit seasons, the, the, the progress he's been making is is phenomenal. So I, he's got to be in there for mine. And again, his his attitude, his mentality, his leadership. You know, one of the things we say about Spurs is the current Spurs the last year or so is where are the leaders? Well, this team I've got, you've got Perriman, Roberts, King, uh, Gazza, Hoddle, mm. uh, and Harry up front, you know, there's a there's a team of leaders there. So anyway, that's that's my front two: Greaves and Greaves and um, Kane. I think anyone anyone who's of certain age to see Jimmy Greaves would absolutely put him probably first in in in, in any any team sheet. Sadly, I started going to Spurs. Um, he'd already he was already at, off at West Ham. Um, so I couldn't put him on my team. And again, because I had five in midfield, I could only pick one up from. And it was this was probably most difficult decision uh i wanted harry kane in there but i'm i'm the same as two of you there i had to put in jürgen klinsman uh just because of the impact he had in that side we remember the debut against sheffield wednesday we remember the first game at home the midweek game against everton that extraordinary another acrobatic kick yeah. uh that he yeah. scored in the second game was just brilliant. We remember his second phase, this awful, awful sign onto Christian Gross. We all remember going to Salehouse Park to see us play Wimbledon and having to win to stay up. And he scored four and was just tremendous. And I think, I don't know, you know, I, I'm looking at the bigger picture, World Cup winner, what he's done, such a professional. And uh, for me, just because he's what he's done so far in his career, Jürgen would just, just get in ahead of uh, Harry Kane. And uh, who would you, uh, Johnny, who would you put down as your, your manager then? Who would be managing this side? <laughs> oh, God, I'm going to upset a few people. Uh, well, maybe I won't. It, I fell out of love with Pochettino. I know he didn't win anything, but it's got to be him. The, sum, the two and a half, three seasons we had, when it really, really clicked and He's seemed such a genuinely nice bloke. Not to say that some of our managers haven't been, but that feeling of being a Spurs fan for those three seasons was wonderful. Shame we didn't win anything. Champions League final was a letdown, but you know we, we got to one. Uh, it's got to be him. Yeah, and Dan, what about yourself? What have you put? Um, I've actually gone. The reason I haven't gone with Poch is I think so far in his career he's flourished with young players coming through with something to prove, and obviously mm -hmm. these lot are established. I can't explain why I haven't gone for Venables because obviously he's outstanding tactically in his experience. I've gone for Harry because I would just love to see the team talk. I just love to see him play <laughs> you lot. You know, you know you're fantastic. Go and show the world, and also because I feel a bit regret on his part that he never got to see I felt, I felt as though he took us to the Champions League but um, he never had the exactly the level of quality that I think his managerial skills merited you know he should have managed England he should have had a chance at Spurs at a couple more years and so I'd like to see him in charge of this lot instead Fair enough, that's a, a great choice uh, Jerry, who would you go for? Well, again, I'm going back to an era, you know, when I started mm -hmm. watching Spurs, the great Bill Nick was in charge and, and clearly the most successful and the best manager they've ever had by a mile. 
by a mile. Um, mm. But again, you know, it's, it's difficult, isn't it? In, in the modern day, I don't know. Bill obviously was an innovator, played. They played fantastic football. And everyone you talk about from who played under him was saying what a tremendous character he was, what a, um, a perfectionist. And, and it was always about the purity of doing it the right way and doing it for the fans. So very hard, um, really tough. I mean, I, I, I really enjoyed the sort of flamboyance of the Red Nap teams. Um, or that era he brought. Um, and also, you know, Pochettino, I mean, just, he changed, he, he turned Tottenham around from, mm. from being a joke to to being widely respected, admired, Champions League finalists. Um, the best team, you know, close to, really close to one of the best teams in Europe and completely changed the mentality around the club and, and brought world-class players in. So, in, in the modern era, I suppose if, if you could put this team out tomorrow, um, I'd want Poch there. I'd, I'd want Poch back now in a heartbeat. I'd have him back at the club now. I think, you know, terrible mistake letting him go, although I understand the reasons. But I think, you know, still a fantastic manager and a fantastic man. Um, in the scheme of things, you know, the greatest manager in Tottenham's history was was managing in my lifetime when I first saw Spurs play. So I think just for that reason, you'd have to have Bill Nick as my manager. Fair enough. I, I, I saw Bill Nick's last couple of seasons. I know the last one certainly didn't work out well after losing to Feyenoord in the uh, yeah. Cup. We had a bad start and he resigned. But I think because of the players we all seem to have picked, as you said, there's so many winners in there. I don't think you need that much coaching there. I think Bill Nick was a manager that knew how to really win things, to take a team, a British team, hadn't played in Europe that much, become the first team to win a major European trophy. I think that reason alone, I'd have Bill Nick as uh, as my manager in my greatest 11. Uh, well, hopefully those of you out there have uh, agreed with some of those choices. I'm sure some of you have disagreed. There's always players that had to be... Uh, missed out next week my guests are robert Eason, dan rockman and danny greenberg and we will then be discussing the greatest top 10 spurs goals you've seen so that is going to be a really interesting list so those of you on twitter if you start getting over to us at spurs show your top 10 goals and what we'll do the the most we can get out there we'll, we'll, we'll try and play those clips in next week of some of the great goals. And they don't have to be great goals as in, um, you know, the, 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 you know, the actual uh, application of the goal. It could be a, a tapping. It could be Peter Crouch against Man City to get into the Champions League. It, you know, it still goes down as a great goal because it worst, worst took us, uh, you know, the same with Lucas Moore's last goal against Ajax, you know, it's still a great goal. Is it up there with a, uh, Ten Hoddle's volley against Notts Forest. That's for you out there to decide. Um, so we'll be doing that. Um, we'll be doing that next week on Friday. We've got a very special show with uh, FA Cup medalist Vinny Samways. Uh, Vinny was doing going to be doing a very interesting interview with us next week, and then the following week, as I said, we'll be doing the greatest top 10 Spurs goals and then a really, really fascinating interview with Pat Jennings. Gentlemen, Jerry, Dan and Johnny, thank you so much for joining me tonight. Stay safe, stay healthy and hopefully we'll, we'll be able to hook up sooner rather than later.
Keep up the Thanks, Stay safe. Lovely. Thanks a lot, guys. Um, and just very, very quickly, um, if you want to hear more content, you can get more content by going to patreon.com slash Spurs show. Try it for a month. Month. Uh, there's a daily news show, uh, some great documentaries on Tottenham, and lots of old player interviews there as well. So uh, if you've got time in your hands, give that go for a month. Patreon.com slash Spurs show. If you enjoyed this show, I know you'll enjoy those shows as well. Uh, until next week, thank you so much for joining us again. We really, really appreciate it. Come on, you Spurs. This is a playback media production. Get all the associated links for this podcast at spurshow.net. Sports Social Podcast Network.